if you watch any um, TV series, um, you'll know that they normally start with the words previously, referring back to the last episode, just to put it, put it all in context. And of course, Easter Sunday, uh, to really appreciate the wonder of Easter Sunday, we have to appreciate the context of it. What happened before Easter Sunday. So just to put it in context, we're going to have a reading um, from uh, Matthew chapter 27. And Joe Highmarsh is going to come and read that for us. If you've got your Bibles uh, there, it's chapter 27, verse 45 to 56. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Well, please take a seat, and if the uh, children can return their instruments to the box. And as they're doing that, we've just been singing about in Jesus' presence... All our fears are washed away. I wonder if you can think of maybe a moment in your life when you have felt afraid, where you felt really fearful. And maybe it's an experience you had which you find quite traumatizing. It's difficult to forget it. It's had a lasting impact on you. I've had uh, quite a few as I think back. Um, this is one that's quite dark, but we set off in a little light um, plane, six-seater plane in, in Brazil, in, in blue skies, sunshine, and before we knew it, we were heading into a storm like this. And that was scary, uh, when you're in a tiny little plane, bobbing up and down. Another one was when we went rafting as a family, and we all um, were out of the boat, we were going down these um, rapids, just in life jackets. Again, that was pretty scary. Um, this one wasn't me, actually, it was Liz and, ja- and, and Zach. They took Jasper for a walk, our dog, um, and there's a little field now where two horses have appeared. If you're a dog walker in the village, you may know it. And um, the horse is starting galloping towards um, Zach and Jasper. And before you knew it, Zach had to grab Jasper in his arms and make a run for it. It was probably a little bit like this. Um, LAUGHTER I'm not sure if that would really be impressed being compared with Shaggy and probably Jasper wouldn't really be impressed being compared with Scooby-Doo. But uh, it's a scary moment. It's a scary moment for them. 
Maybe if you can just take a moment and talk to the person next to you. Think of a scary moment that you have experienced. What was scary about it? Um, share one with each other. Maybe you've both got a scary experience you can share with one another. Spend a couple of minutes just doing that. Draw you back now if you want to. Um... I'm sure there'll be plenty of time afterwards to share lots of scary experiences. Um, but what is it about those scary experiences that make us afraid? Isn't it the fact that we don't know what is going to happen? You know, when we flew into that storm, we didn't know what was going to happen. We feared the worst. We feared maybe the plane would crash. Um, or we were in those rapids and we feared as we were going down them that we would drown. Um, or with a dog, we feared that the horses would trample Jasper. Didn't worry about Zach too much, man. More, more worried about Sir Jasper. But, yeah, in the events of this... Let's get serious now, actually. Easter Sunday, the events of that first Easter Sunday, people were afraid. They were gripped by fear. And the command they were given was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're going to read that story now, and Barney's going to come and read it for us. We're in Matthew 28, and it's the first ten verses, if you'd like to follow it in your Bible. Thanks, Barney. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Jesus has risen. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Barney. Well, let's put ourselves into the place of the women who went to the tomb on that first Easter Sunday. We're not told why they went. They wouldn't have been able to get into the tomb. Maybe it was just for something to do, maybe to keep busy, um, stop them thinking much about Jesus' death. Imagine their shock when they arrived there as a violent earthquake. An angel rolls back the stone. Remember, this would have been a huge, great stone, really heavy, impossible for one human person to, to roll back. The angel's pretty scary in his appearance. It says that, his appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And we're told the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So it looked maybe something like this. We don't know exactly. And the women would have been afraid at this sight. And so the first thing the angel says to them is, don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And in order to comfort and to reassure them, the angel says this, he's not here. He has risen just as he said. Don't you remember at least three times he told you that he was going to die? And then after three days, 
he would rise again. But probably like the rest of the disciples, maybe they, they didn't really understand what he was saying at the time, didn't really sort of quite sink in. Uh, which is why the angel then invites them. He says, come and see the place where he lay. And they probably enter the tomb. They see the folded grave clothes, but no body. He really was here, but he's not here anymore because he's alive again. Now, that must have been quite shocking, mustn't it? Um, and so the angel tells them, go quickly, tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. And he reassures them that they will see him again. So what do they do? Well, verse 8 says that the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. They're still afraid. They're still not quite sure what to make of it all. But now they've been given an explanation of what happened. The fear is being replaced by joy. There's an excitement that maybe he really is alive. I wonder what you do when you've been given some great news. You go and tell your friends, don't you? Or these days, maybe you probably won't go and tell them. You probably text them because it's quicker. Um, maybe put a Facebook post on. But you want others to know quickly what has happened. Something exciting has happened. I know some of you will have read this book um, called Captive in Iran, which tells the story of two Iranian women who were imprisoned for their faith. Um, apparently it's not illegal to be a Christian in Iran, but it is illegal to share your faith. And these women found it difficult to actually to not share their faith because they were just overflowing with it. They were careful how they did that. But they wouldn't deny Jesus. And amazingly, they were put in prison. But that was all part of God's plan because in prison, that became church. People came up to them and said, what do you believe? Who is this Jesus who you, who you worship? Can you pray for me, please? So God used them in that plan. But they couldn't help tell people about what they had experienced. And it's the same with the Apostle Paul. He was in chains in Rome, and yet was still able to share his faith in Jesus. But in the passage, before the women even get to the disciples, they meet Jesus himself. Verse 9, it says, Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Imagine how they would have felt. Is this really him? It says they came to him clasped his feet, probably trying to make sure that their eyes weren't deceiving them, that he really was here, and we're told they worshipped him. They acknowledged that this must be God. This must be the Son of God. What's the first thing that Jesus says to them? Again, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The first time, the angel tells them not to be afraid because Jesus is alive. That's why he wasn't there. This time Jesus tells them not to be afraid because he's right there with them. He hasn't died. He hasn't disappeared. He hasn't abandoned them. He's there with them in their hour of need when they're despairing about what has happened, when they're wondering if it was all a waste of time following him. And Jesus tells them, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me too. They too will be afraid. They will need reassurance so what about us what are we what are we afraid of 
There'll be lots of things that we are afraid of because we're, we're weak, we're human, we don't know how to do things, we, we don't know the future, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know how we'll cope. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. I will help you cope. I'll be there with you. His grace is sufficient for us. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then we have nothing to fear in this life. Nothing can separate us from his love. I'm going to interview now um, somebody who's gone through a scary experience. I know a lot of you will have done, but um, I want to ask Daniel. Some of you won't know Daniel, but um, uh, Daniel and Sarah have been coming to uh, the church um, fairly recently with um, their daughter Florence. And um, you're coming up great. Well done, guys. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so, Daniel, tell us about the, the scary experience that, that you had. Um, so... When Florence was born, um, it wasn't a straightforward birth. Um, she, we actually ended up having to go, Sarah had to go for an emergency C-section. And um, there was a moment when both of them looked, were quite unwell. And uh, there, was a, there was a time there where I felt it, looked, it really did look like they were both going to die. Uh, so obviously a terrifying mm-hmm. prospect. And how did you feel in that moment? Honestly, I was petrified. I, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how to really cope with that situation. I felt I wanted to. I honestly wanted to run away. There was, there was seconds away from just turning around and walking out of the room because I couldn't cope with what I was witnessing. That, that makes any sense, you know. And um, sorry. What um, and, and what happened next? What uh... so. I can only describe it as being uh, a spiritual experience. I, I felt that God was in the room with with me, and I just felt his. I felt a power, something overwhelming that just made me realise that it wasn't my. I couldn't rely on my own strength. I had I had to rely on God's strength entirely, and it was it was it was a completely out of the blue sort of moment. It was just overwhelming, and I was just rooted to the spot at that moment. I, I, I was was seconds away from running out of the room. I'm I'm just completely in that moment. I just, Mm. yeah, just overwhelming. Mm. I can't even describe it to you. It's really difficult to describe a situation. And Sarah had a similar experience as well. I understand at the same moment. Yeah. um, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I only realized this this much later when we were talking about it, but actually Sarah had a a similar experience, a, a, a sort of a spiritual experience, if you like. Um, felt God in the room. We weren't Christians at this point, so it was a completely out of the blue sort of situation mm. for us. Mm. And it was it was strange that you know we've had it at exactly the same point, so we really believed. And how did you respond to that then, having had this experience? What? what um... So once we, once we started, once we actually spoke about it a couple of weeks later, we felt that we, we could not ignore what we'd experienced. You know, you go through feelings of oh was it just me was I just imagining it you know and, and, but we, we both felt at the same time and we, we couldn't ignore it so we both started reading our bibles again we both came you know we're brought up in Christian families but we'd moved away from the faith entirely we're living our own lives but we felt we couldn't ignore it we couldn't ignore this this feeling overwhelming feeling that we we were being given us given a second chance that um and we're really grateful for that, really. Mm, well, praise the Lord for that. Well, thanks very much, guys, for sharing that with us. Yeah, thanks. Please take a seat. 
it's amazing how God can work through these experiences, isn't it? And um, show us the way. We're going to have some time of prayer now. Nathan's going to lead us in prayer. Then after that, we'll sing again. And Liz will bring us our, the, the final reading before we see how should we respond to uh, what Jesus has done for, for us. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, let's have some time together in prayer. I'm going to base our prayers around the reading that Barney so wonderfully gave to us before. Uh, So let me read again verses 5 through to 7 of Matthew chapter 8, the angel speaking to the women. Here's what it says. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Let's pray. Father God, the words of the angels begin by saying, Do not be afraid. And as we've already began to look at this morning and we've heard from the interview there, there are moments in our life where we we are fearful. Lord, we want to acknowledge that. Lord, we want to acknowledge that we are fearful people. We are broken people. We are weak people. And Lord, in our own strength, we are helpless people. Lord, we want to say sorry when we don't acknowledge that, when we try to live our lives in our own strength. But Lord, we want to see that your word exposes us, exposes us to our condition. And we want to say sorry. But Lord, the amazing news of today, of Easter Sunday, is that there is hope. There is a reason for hope. There is a reason for peace. There is a reason for restoration and for strength, not on our own, but in Jesus. So we can say, And believe the message of don't be afraid. The angel then goes on and says, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And so, Lord, we want to look back to Friday. Lord, we want to look back to the cross and we want to thank you for the reason why Jesus came to this earth. He came and lived a perfect life. And he came to die on a cross to take our place, to take my place for the sin that I committed and for the rejection of God in my heart Lord thank you that you went willingly and thank you that you went for me but then the amazing announcement of the angels that he is not here he is risen thank you Lord that Jesus is alive Lord that we can say that with confidence we can say that in celebration we can say that in victory this morning And Lord, it proves that the cross worked. Lord, that death is defeated, that our sins have been dealt with, that we are forgiven, that we are your children, that we are going to heaven, that you are ruling and reigning this morning at your Father's right hand. So Lord, we want to be so grateful and thankful and give you great praise this morning for your victory over death. And Lord, the angel said that Jesus had predicted this just as he said other words. And so thank you this morning that we can trust your promises. We can trust that your words are true. 
that what you say, what you say happens. And sorry, Lord, when we, we fail to trust you, we find it hard, we find it difficult, we, we find our hope and strength in other things. So help me today, help us today, if we're trusting in Christ, to trust you. To trust you for the big things, to trust you for the small things. And then the invitation of the angels to the women to come and see, to come and see the place where Jesus lay. And the invitation to come and see Jesus is open to us all this morning. To slow down, to stop, to enjoy, to celebrate the risen Jesus. Lord, we don't want to miss the point this morning. It's so easy to skip over and to get caught up with other things today. But Lord, please help us come and see Jesus today clearly. To see him afresh, to see him as he really is, the risen victorious king. And whether that's for the hundredth time or whether that this morning might be for the very first time. Lord, we pray that you'd be at work showing us who you really are. And then the angels say to the women, then go quickly and tell his disciples. And Lord, we have the best news in the world this morning. The news that Jesus is alive. But again, so often we keep that news to ourselves. So again, this morning, I pray that you'd remind us again of how amazing this news is, but also how in, how much in need of this news the world around us is. And we go, we go into the world, we'd go into our families, we'd go into our streets, we'd go into our communities, we'd go into the relationships that you've put us in and to tell them of the good news of Jesus's resurrection. And as we finish our prayer this morning, we pray that we'd remember the promise later on in chapter 28, verse 20. That as we go, Jesus promises by his spirit to be with us. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. And Liz is going to come and bring us our... Our final reading from Matthew 28, verse 11 to 20. Following on from our last reading, chapter 28, verses 11 to 20. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age.
Thanks, Liz. Well, we've looked at what happened on that first Easter Sunday morning, but, but how did people respond to it? How do people today respond to these events of Easter? Well, one of the ways is to deny it. We're told that the, the women went to tell the disciples what had happened, and the guards who had experienced the angel doing exactly the same thing, they were terrified, and they went to report to the chief priests everything that had happened. And this is the amazing bit, if you think about it. Um, instead of thinking, wow, let's go and check this out for ourselves, let's go and check whether Jesus really is alive, that would be an amazing thing. Their first thought is, let's cover this up. Let's pretend that it never really happened. They meet with the elders, they come up with this plan, and they pay the soldiers off. This is an ancient day non-disclosure agreement, isn't it? Keep quiet and we'll pay you some money. What they're told to say Tell them his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. They'll take care of the governor. You just keep your story clear. And it's sad that um, cover-ups happen all the time, don't they? In business, in politics, in, in our private lives. People tell lies to protect themselves. They people pay people to keep quiet and sign contracts. But behind the cover-up is a fear, isn't there? In this case, the chief priests were probably afraid that Jesus' followers would start a big movement, um, that people would turn against them and challenge their authority. What they're not concerned about is finding out the truth. And it's the same often with people today, isn't it? And instead of looking into the events of Easter to establish whether or not they were true, people are more concerned about just focusing on the here and the now and getting on with their lives. They don't want anything to disturb the way they're living their lives. One response is to deny things. Another one is doubt. Uh, Verse 16 says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, there's nothing wrong with doubt. Doubt means you want to to make sure of the facts before you believe something. That's why we run groups in this church for people who have doubts, who want to explore the claims of Christianity. There's one happening next month called Just Looking, happening in May. If you're interested, to have a a word with with Mark afterwards. Um, He'll be able to give you details of that. But I would encourage you, if you've got those doubts, to come and talk about them. The most famous doubter was a disciple called Thomas. Um, He said, he said this, is recorded in John's Gospel, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, a week later, Jesus came and uh, stood among the disciples. The doors were all locked, but he appeared to them. And he said directly to Thomas, he said, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Because at some point there comes a time where you have to make that decision. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to believe him or not? And so the third category is to worship and obey. We're told when they saw him, they worshipped him. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. To worship is to obey, is to put Jesus first in the whole of our lives. The resurrection shows that Jesus is God. And if that is the case, then there's no room for some sort of half-hearted response to him. Either he's not God, and the events described in here didn't happen, in which case we might as well go home now and get on with eating, drinking, and making merry. Or he is God. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. In which case we need to give him our whole lives. There's no halfway house with Jesus. Which means taking seriously the command to go and make disciples of all nations. And this nation is one which desperately needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. People desperately need to hear how we can live lives the way they were designed to be. People desperately need to hear the fact that Jesus did die for them so they can be forgiven, so they can have eternal life. They need to hear that he really did come back to life. So we don't need to be afraid, afraid of things in this life, afraid of death and what comes after death. Because Jesus leaves us with this amazing promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Would you please stay behind for some refreshments? It would be great to spend some time with you before you go off to your different homes. Um, But let's um, close now in prayer. Father God, we thank you for that great victory that Jesus won over death. And thank you for what that victory means for us, that it does mean eternal life, that it does mean our fears and gloom are wiped away that it does mean we can be filled with great joy and hope. We pray that for each one of us here. Fill us with joy now as we leave here. And fill us with a a real desire to, to share that joy with those who don't yet know Jesus Christ themselves. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.